Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going golden. You and I just watched uh, Michael Phelps win gold medal number 22 right before we recorded this, so that was pretty exciting. Yes. Yeah, 200. I am uh, sitting in here with uh, Keith and Drew down here and on our end in North Carolina. That was crazy. That was really exciting. It, it was funny because it got to Tennessee before it got to North Carolina, the, the results. I know. So. I know. That's why I took my earphones out um, so that I wouldn't hear anything. But really, really wild. It's going to be crazy in four years to not have uh, Michael wow. Phelps. Well, yeah. he They'll find a way to put him in like the commentator booth or something. They got to have him there. I mean, he's become a staple. We've we've kind of grown up with oh, yeah. with Michael. Yeah, so. it's it's amazing to watch. Really, really, really fun. If uh, I were Ryan Lochte, I would I would have the Jonathan Howe haircut right about now with the the blue ish whatever that is hair. Um, yeah, it, it's it, pretty strong chlorine, bleach. Yeah, the chlorine and the bleach didn't mix well. So yeah, sorry, it's really Ryan. together. I I do want to say, as you have been trying to call it for months, that. Uh, I want, I want to point out that we are having fun at this Olympics. Uh, we're we're doing well. Things are going fairly okay. A few things here and there. But everyone, I think, seems to be enjoying it. So that's really good because we needed this. And there have been no major issues. Like you said, there's been a few minor hiccups. But my, my thoughts that things would not go according to plan or schedule uh, right now, I'm, I'm looking like I'm going to lose that one, which is a good thing. Yes, we got we got another week, but it's going really yeah, well. And of course, days. the first that's right. The first week is my favorite with gymnastics and swimming. So, uh, still got a few more days left of all that. But all right. let's jump into Southern Baptist news. Yeah, before we do that, let's uh, once again want to remind you about our sponsor, the Nine Marks at Southeastern Conference. It equips church leaders with a biblical vision and practical resources for displaying God's glory to the nations through healthy churches. This two-day conference is held on the campus of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary right there in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and is open to the general public, pastors, and their staff. This year's Nine Marks at Southeastern Conference will be held on September the 30th and October 1st, 2016. You can register online at ninemarksse.org. That's 9-M-A-R-K-S-S-E.org. This year's topic is discipleship. So they'll be talking about discipleship in the church. And uh, that should be an exciting conference. Uh, I know it's always a good week to have uh, Mark Dever and his gang down there at Southeastern. So uh, check that out online, ninemarkse.org. Now let's jump into the news this week. Big news out of California. Amy, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Senate Bill 1146 was modified this week to take out yeah. the parts uh, that were really pushing back religious freedom. So, uh, so the bill, I mean, it's, it's still there. It's still in the California Senate, but the sponsor had decided he was going to remove, um, the language that was really kind of the, the main crux of, of, of our struggle, the, the measure that was going to, to basically have all these, uh, there would be no religious exemption for anyone except for maybe like for seminaries, things like this, but it would deny, um, it would deny grants for any religiously affiliated universities or colleges. So this is things that would go to low income students. Uh, and it was all of these things, anything, you know, they have a confessional statement, a curriculum that includes uh, Bible, things like that. Yeah, hiring practices. And, 
Right. I mean, it was hitting at stuff that was, it, it was going to be a yeah, very, very difficult codes, thing. All kinds That's of right. stuff. That's right. It was going to be very difficult. So this was a big deal. And there was already news this week, which we probably would have talked about, um, that uh, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission released a statement that was uh, signed by a number of people, uh, pastors, uh, presidents of schools, uh, other religious leaders, multi-faith statement had had come out, and it came out a day before this happened. Now, I mean, we, there have been people that have been working on this for uh, quite some time. There were some groups of schools that had come together. There were some students that had started a website. There were a couple of yeah. of groups that were raising money uh, from some other schools. Azusa Pacific, Point Loma, Nazarene had been calling the senator's office. SaveCalifornia.com, the National yeah, Hispanic they, Christian Leadership Conference, Alliance Defending Freedom. They've all been working on this for quite a time. Right. Yeah, the, there were Christian colleges in uh, California that have been working tirelessly, right, have, have worked tirelessly on this uh, for quite some time. And so, uh, you know, their efforts were not in vain. The response uh, came that the sponsor of the bill uh, had made the decision to remove, to remove that language. So it, it, I wouldn't say this brings a bill that we— just necessarily love. I mean, there are still some some elements in there that, under other circumstances, we might say we're not in favor of that. Uh, but at this point, I, th- I think we just have a lot to appreciate that this particular piece was taken out of it. Yes, and uh, probably won't be the last challenge we see to religious freedom in higher education, uh, not just in California, but anywhere in the U.S. So uh, it's good change, a needed change, and uh, we celebrate that uh, this week. Yep. Very much so. All right, moving across the country uh, from, I guess, west to east, we'll stop in Kansas City up there in uh, at Midwestern Seminary. Dr. Jason Allen and the, the crew up at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary announced this week they've entered into a publishing partnership with Moody Publishers for their For the Church imprint. That's that's a very interesting development. I'm not surprised to see them have a For the Church imprint. This seems to fit uh, with the, the content strategy that they that they have, um, and uh, Moody being a you know up there in the Midwest, I, I can see uh, see that connection. Uh, but this this will be very interesting to see what books will come out. Yeah, well, they listed a few titles already: "Discerning Your Call to Ministry" by Dr. Jason Allen, and a three-part series by Joe Thorne, the founding and lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship up there in St. Charles, Illinois. Uh, entitled The Heart of the Church, The Character of the Church, and The Life of the Church, and already released in the imprint is H.B. Charles Jr.'s On Pastoring. H.B. Uh, is the pastor teacher at Shiloh Metropolitan Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, a good friend of Midwestern and of Lifeway as well. Uh, so congratulations to Dr. Jason Allen and everyone up there at Midwestern on the imprint there. Uh, some other publishing news in the SBC this week. Trevin Wax has been named as the publisher for Bibles and Academic Resources here at B&H at Lifeway. That news came this week, so congratulations to Trevin. Many of you know Trevin from his work on the Gospel Project, uh, and a lot of churches are using that as well. So, uh, Trevin, congratulations to you on that. Another seminary in the news this week, New Orleans, launched an interactive Ph.D. program. Amy, tell us about this. This is a new delivery system, and it's opening up their PhD to non-residential students. Now, this is not uh, 
something that we've never seen before in terms of trying to do that. A lot of a lot of seminaries are doing that now. We have one that's kind of a cohort-based system. This is very interesting, the way they're going to do it. They're going to offer seminars and colloquia uh, via an interactive video. It's a synchronous, uh, so it's basically um, via some conferencing software that they have, and they're going to have real-time interaction with each other and the professor. So they're really utilizing technology kind of to the highest degree to have that uh, seminar experience, even as people are at a distance and where they are. So it's very interesting because there are a number of distance learning PhD programs in our six seminaries, but watching how every seminary sort of uh, implements that is, uh, is, is always interesting. We learn from each other and I, I find this one really fascinating. I would love to just see more um, and how they're using the technology that's available. Yeah, the PhD majors offered by the Division of Pastoral Ministries uh, for the SYNC-enabled courses include Biblical Exposition, Evangelism, Missions, and Great Commission Studies. And over in the Division of Theological and Historical Studies, they have PhDs they're offering in the SYNC-enabled courses in Church History and Theology. All right, and uh, also the the coming PhD in Apologetics uh, that they will be bringing later in the year will actually also be in this once it receives ATS authorization. So uh, congratulations to New Orleans. Moving over to another entity, this time over in Dallas, Texas, at the headquarters of Guidestone Financial Resources. They met last month, the trustees did, and approved the 2017 budget, as well as naming three new executive officers. Harry Nelson was named the Chief Strategic Investment Officer to lead Guidestone's investment division. Mark Borchart was named the Chief Services and Operations Officer, and Harry Lofton was named Chief Legal Officer and General Counsel regarding Guidestone's regulatory and legal needs. I bet that guy has got a busy job. I would not want that one. Uh, I would imagine. Everything that they have to go through. So uh, not a huge amount of news out of that. We'll link to the full report there. If you have your money in Guidestone, and uh, many of us do, uh, I know I do. Amy, do you all use Guidestone as yes. well? Yes. You do? Yes. All right, so both of us, Guidestone users. Uh, and uh, through insurance as well. If you're a pastor out there, your church may use them for insurance and property and casualty insurance as well as retirement. Um, but all the information about their annual report is in the link at sbc.com. Amy, moving on to uh, some, some lighter news. Lauren Daigle topped the list of Dove nominees. She had six nominations. Chris Tomlin and Hillsong United followed up with five. A lot of Southern Baptists involved in the contemporary Christian music scene and the Dove Awards, uh, Lecrae being one of those. And uh, Amy, I'm going to try to see if I can get a press pass for the Dove Awards now that we have a conference. Really? I wonder if I can. I, I, it worked for the SBC annual meeting. We'll, we're going to throw I, that up the flagpole and see if they salute it. Yeah, I'm going to guess that there's a, a bit of a higher security threshold on uh, the Dove Awards for the press. I mean, I don't know. It is Nashville. I, I don't know. We'll see. All I can do you is say You should give no. it a try. The worst they can do is say no, right? Yeah, maybe we have a listener out there that has some connection with the Dove Awards. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but that, that'd be kind of fun. It's held here in Nashville, so it wouldn't be any travel. So I'm, I'm right here. I was on four Dove Award winning albums. Yes, you know? yes. And you know what? One of these days, I'm going to make that my resource of the week, and we'll have to play a bit from the album. Uh, I, that doesn't get me in. I didn't actually re- I didn't get a Dove Award. Yeah. I just was on the well, album. Well, I so. did have a chance in my other podcast this week. We did interview Mark Hall. He's got a stash of Dove Awards for his group with Casting Crowns and oh. a Grammy. So, and I asked him, yeah. uh, so if you have a Grammy, the question is, where do you keep your Grammy? 
and his is at his uh, desk in his office at the church that he serves in, in the Atlanta area. So he said the kids from the very youth group cool. come in, take pictures with his Grammy. It's kind of cool. That's very cool. Kind of neat. All right. And finally tonight, a follow-up to your resource of the week from David Budaya. He won silver this past week in the Olympics. And uh, Baptist Press has yes, got Tim Ellsworth down there covering the Olympics for us. David Budaya and Steele Johnson uh, won the silver medal in the 10-meter platform synchronized diving event. Yes. Uh, I think synchronized diving is fascinating. Why is that? Just the, well, just the whole, like, I mean, it's hard. You have to get going in the exact same time, no splash, all that, you know, all that kind of thing. All the Olympic events are difficult, Amy. That's why they're Olympics. But one of the, the great ideas I, I saw this week was to have, like, somebody who is normal, like you and I, competing in one of these events and showing just how world-class yeah. these athletes are, which would be phenomenal. I mean, we're sitting here watching swimming tonight. Could you imagine you or I trying to do the 200-meter individual medley? I mean, we would still be okay, going the, that, down the first length of the pool in uh, whatever stroke okay. they lead off with. And Yes, and I think I made this point earlier this week. If I got in the pool swimming against my daughter, I would look horrible. <laughs> That that lifeguard would actually get some work that we saw the picture of this week. Yes, very much so. So yeah, that your idea is very good. I saw a really funny tweet about somebody how we'll watch and we'll we'll watch like the gymnasts come across while we're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, and we'll say, ah, she didn't really stick that landing, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, and watching the divers. Oh, that's a big splash. Oh, come on now. Right. Like you and right. I, we could we couldn't even like cannonball from. I mean, exactly. I'd get up to a ten meter platform and be like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. So yes. So. But uh, it's been well, all Olympics in my house this week, and I'm sure it's been the same. Same here. Yes, so. but yeah, that's exciting. The um, I, I noticed that as well. Uh, the the divers and, and David Budaya, that's a big thing. So uh, if you haven't gotten his book, uh, go and do that. We'd recommend. We got the link to that in last week's show. And uh, Tim Ellsworth's done a great job for Baptist Press. And we mentioned him last week. He actually helped co-write that book uh, with David Budaya yeah. and uh, works over at Union University in the communications office over there, doing a fantastic job for Baptist Press down there in Rio. Uh, man, you know, suffering for Jesus there, I'm sure. Yes. All right, that's going to move us on to my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. We're going to go back to 1971. This has been a, a obviously a very political year, and we've talked a lot about uh, meetings of religious leaders, meetings of Southern Baptists, evangelicals coming together to meet with different politicians. Well, there was a meeting uh, in 1971, right around this time, and it was 30 uh, religious leaders, including eight Southern Baptists, who were selected by a great evangelical leader of the time and of today, Billy Graham. And that was to go to a meeting at the White House. Uh, they got an, about an hour-long briefing from Henry Kissinger on U.S. foreign policy involving China and um uh, the it, it actually says involving Red China, this Baptist Press article, that that's what they were briefed on, on kind of the, the moving in of communism. So they went to the White House. They did not uh, they did not meet the president, did not meet President Nixon, but they went into the cabinet room for this meeting. They uh, talked to Henry Kissinger for about an hour on just principles of foreign policy, relations with China, um, the this was right around the time when Nixon was, I believe, preparing to go to China, which is when you 
Obviously, when we think about Nixon's administration, there's one particular thing that stands out uh, to all of us in American history, which is a really difficult time, and that's Watergate. Oh, I was going to say when he met Forrest Gump. Well played. Uh, yes, I think he did. But anyway, other than that, Watergate is what we think about. But yep. if you, the kind of the next level thing uh, that is thought about is his visit to China. And, um, I was just reading about this in another book last uh, last week and uh, his wife Pat's involvement in that whole trip and everything. But this was something before his trip that they brought in these religious leaders to talk to them about uh, basic principles of foreign policy, their relations with China, and uh, give kind of questions and discussion by the group. So it was a, a significant time where Southern Baptist pastors were involved in what was going on uh, in the country and around the world. And so um, what happened was Billy Graham had gotten a private briefing from them, and he was so impressed that he asked if he could invite his friends. That's kind of how it, how it happened. And you don't tell Billy and Graham. Because, right, because yeah. he's Billy Graham. They said, yes. Uh, so the Southern Baptists who attended were uh, W.A. Chriswell. That's the name that's going to jump out to no both of us. The there. second one, I hope... That's right. I hope I say this correct. It's it was Porter um, Routh. I hope I'm saying that right. He was the executive secretary of the executive committee. So I'm sure someone out there is listening. And if I said that wrong, will let me know. But uh, Robert Denny, who was yes, <laughs> that's right. Robert Denny, uh, who was the general secretary of the Baptist World Alliance, and then Billy Graham, and then. Uh, T.W. Wilson from his team, and then some Baptist laymen. Fred uh, Fred Rhodes from the Veterans Administration had been vice president of the SBC. W. Maxie Jarman, former chairman of Genesco, and Bill Mead of Dallas, who's a bakery executive. And then other people, not necessarily Southern Baptists, but Paul Harvey, the radio hey. commentator, who I love the re- with the rest of the story. Bill Bright, um, and, and just a, a number of others. So most people... Um, This is interesting. Billy Graham had told them, or most of them would say, people asked about it, uh, no comment, and said that Billy Graham had told him the meeting was off the record. But W.A. Criswell went back to Dallas and held a press conference and said, he did. And he said, um, he said that he endorsed the plan for Nixon to go to China because that was a a tough thing. There was a lot of controversy over whether or not he should go, but W.A. Criswell came out and endorsed that trip. So I guess trip. the president going to China gave it validity, the, the nation. It validated China right. as a world leader. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes, as a, as a major player in yeah. the world. Um, you had a, they had about a billion people then, so yeah, kind of major. It was, yeah, it was almost a billion. It was around eight, 800 million at the time. So um, he... He was asked if he endorsed it. He said, yes, and I feel doubly that way after the briefing. It is unthinkable that we could blind our eyes to the fact that Red China is here. Red China is an astronomical fact. And um, then he said they needed to be considered a world power uh, and that Russia is not the only representative of the communist world, and so there needed to be some connection uh, with them, but he added that the president's visit to China would seek to improve relations with a growing world power, but America would not allow Southeast Asia to fall to the communists, which is kind of interesting to hear that in 1971. Of course, now knowing what we do, um, one just sort of side note that is a very interesting thing about that trip has nothing to do with um, uh, 
Southern Baptists, but uh, in this book I was reading, which was one of, uh, it's a newer book about first ladies I was reading and finished last week, that on that trip, Pat Nixon had a, a just made a special connection with uh, the leader of China. He liked her, and she commented something about pandas being cute, and he said, um, do you want some? And that's when he sent the two pandas to the Washington National Zoo. National Zoo. There you go. How yeah. about that? Yeah, all because of the first lady. So uh, I thought that was that was interesting. But anyway. Now, you said that they did not meet President Nixon, right? They met with Kissinger? That's correct. They met with Kissinger in the cabinet, in the room. cabinet room. So Nixon probably just listened to the tapes later. Very, uh, very, actually, very possible. So they didn't attend. They did go into the Oval Office, though, and meet him. But he wasn't part of the briefing. So they went into the Oval Office, um, but he wasn't the one that did the briefing. That was all Henry Kissinger. So, yes, he probably did listen to the tapes later. I'm sure they were being recorded. Uh, but, and then you know, deleted we have a, Yes. So we always have a lot of, of chatter whenever our, um, our, the, our leaders are meeting with uh, presidents or candidates, whatever. But this is something that's been going on for a long time and has been, uh, they've been an important part of, of very specific conversations. And so here is one particular example this week in SBC history. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that's fascinating, Amy. Thanks for that. Uh, it, it, like you said, it is always interesting whenever we have our leaders meeting with world leaders and uh, just another example from 1971. And before we get to our resources of the week, do want to remind you and uh, about the nine marks at Southeastern Conference. Uh, for more information on that right there at the end of September, you can visit ninemarksse.org. All the links and information for everything we talked about this week, including the uh, the information there about the meeting in the White House with Henry Kissinger and Billy Graham is at sbcthisweek.com. You can also sign up for our data point email that comes out every Tuesday. It gives you a little statistical behind-the-scenes look into the SBC. And that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. And Amy, your resource of the week is... Yeah, my resource is something that uh, the ARLC has put out, and uh, it's it's a resource in preparation for Anti-Gambling Sunday, which is September 18th. Uh, so in sort of preparation for that, they have prepared a free downloadable bulletin insert that is for the use of anyone that wants to uh, share with uh, with their church members. And uh, there's an article that goes with it. We'll give, give you a link that um, just give some facts about problem gambling so that leader church leaders can uh, kind of educate themselves on what a problem this can be. Uh, but then they can go to that uh, bulletin insert and find something that they can actually share with their people. This is one of the best things I think that the ERLC does, these bulletin inserts that they'll put out uh, just giving a very, very easy thing for any church uh, to do because you just click on the link. There you go. You just print them out and you're ready. And uh, so this this is a, a, a great service to the churches. That's September 18th. So you get plenty of time to, to pull that together, but we want to put it out there for you to put it in your plans. Yep. And they do this for a lot of different Sundays every year, the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Uh, they do it for the Anti-Gambling Sunday, uh, World Hunger Relief Sunday, as well. So a lot of uh, those resources coming from the ERLC, be sure to use those in your church. And my resource of the week is the GLS Next app. Uh, this week, I've been attending the Global Leadership Summit from Willow Creek. They have a great app that has a lot of old content uh, from the Global Leadership Summit. So just uh, leadership resources, great talks from uh, authors, 
from pastors, from leaders from around the world. And I would highly recommend checking those out. There's one in particular that I really like. Probably my favorite GLS talk of all time was from Chris Brown. He's a pastor out in California at North Coast Church with uh, Larry Osborne in the San Diego area. And, nice, yeah. And Chris had a phenomenal talk a few years ago. Check that out. It's in the app. He's a, a narrative-style preacher, really engaging, really fun to listen to, just a great message, great talk as well about leadership and serving. Uh, so check that one out. I, I highly recommend that in the GLS Next app. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Amy, I know you're gearing up for a semester of seminary to get kicked off here shortly. I've got trustee meeting uh, staring at me at about two weeks away. So uh, it's going to be a, a busy rest of the month. And then we'll be into Absolutely. the fall and uh, executive committee coming. I'm already getting uh, agenda and items for that and scheduling appointments and all kind of fun stuff for the executive committee meeting, the fall meeting of the executive committee here in Nashville. So uh, it's going to be a busy time for Southern Baptists this fall. Absolutely. Uh, but it's kind of nice to get back into a routine. I know everybody kind of feels the same way. So yep. uh, it's going to be a good one. And we still have a week left at the Olympics. Absolutely. At least. Go USA. Yes, go USA. All right. Well, thanks for listening again this week. We will see you next week. See you next week.